0: Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. So if you got your Bibles with you, we're going to talk today, continue our Good News series, but I want to talk about it pertaining to doing life together. So Acts 2. We're going to turn there, and actually Brother Les read a portion of it a minute ago. Acts 2, we'll start there. We're going to start in verse 40. This is the account of the early church on the first day of the church. And this is what it says, Acts 2 and verse 40. Are you with me? Now, I added verse 40 just because I wanted to read the first part. Do you see what it says? Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. I didn't have to add this verse, but I felt like this morning I just needed to share it in case some of y'all were hating on me for the length of my message some weeks. I can't help it that I got a lot to say that I want to help you with. It's biblical. What does this say? Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. It's my new favorite verse in the Bible. Strongly urging all these listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. In verse 41, and those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So this is the first day of the church. Notice what did they immediately start to do? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship or doing life together and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Notice this. And they worshiped together at the temple, as a church. And notice what else they did. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Can I get amen this morning? So we're going to talk today about good news, but today I want to talk about good news for the lonely and the left out. Good news for the lonely and left out. Now, we've been talking about the good news on Sunday mornings. We've been talking about what the gospel is. Now, we know that The word gospel in the Bible means good news. It's translated good news. The gospel is the good news message. It's the good news message about what Jesus has done for us. But the gospel is the good news, not that we're just saved from certain things. Jesus saved us for certain things. So yes, he saved us from from punishment, and he saved us from sin, and he saved us from sickness, and he saved us from poverty, and he saved us from a helpless, hopeless life, but he saved us for other things. And one of the things he saved us for was to be a part of his church, his community, his family on the earth to do the mission and the purpose of God. Now, He called us and saved us for this purpose, but we can't do the mission of God and the plan of God by ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. We need a community to do it with. We need a family to do it with, and that's what God did in the first days of the early church. The book of Acts, we just read it. As soon as people got into Christ, they got into his community. As soon as people came to Jesus, they got into his family and started doing the mission and the purpose of God. There was no lone rangers in the early church. There was nobody pastoring themselves at Coffee Crossing. Y'all going to help me or not? We'll get to the tacos later. The early church started and immediately when people got plugged into Jesus and the family of God, they got connected to community they started immediately doing life together why because the early church leaders knew these baby believers won't survive without a family and it's the same way for with all of us in here you will not survive spiritually without a church family you won't you won't grow spiritually without a church family you won't you won't go to the places that God wants you to go without a church family you won't Now, I'm not just saying this church. I'm saying any church. Everybody needs a church, a family, a local community. They're a part of every believer. Whether it's this place or not, every believer needs a place. Why? Because God sets you in that place so you could grow, so you could thrive, so people could help you, so you could help other people, so you could be a part of God's family and community on the earth. And really the church as we know it is the, the, the source of us bringing heaven to earth comes through the church. And we're all knit together and wired to be together. Why? Because we need to do God's mission and purpose on the earth and we can't do it by ourselves. So the gospel doesn't just save us from the bad stuff. God saves us for the good stuff, like being a part of a church. And when we get saved, we find a new family, a new community, a new group of people that we can do life with that will help us and not hurt us. And that's the local church. And the Bible says there's good news. The gospel is good news for the lonely and left out because we don't have to be lonely and left out anymore. God gave us community. He gave us a new family. Now, something to note is in the New Testament, if you read it, majority of the commands that are made in the New Testament when he tells believers to do stuff have to involve a group. If you read your New Testament, almost all the commands are written to a local group of people. And almost all of them have wording like this, let us. Let us. When you come together, when you're uh, together at church, when you're gathered together, when you're meeting together, let us. Let us. Almost every command in the New Testament requires community. Why? Because it's assumed... In the New Testament, that every believer would be part of a local church community, a local family. And so he tells us time after time after time, let us, let us, let us. When we come together, when we're gathered together. Why? Because he knows how important that is for our spiritual health and our spiritual life as believers. And we all need that. Even the word church, the word church in the Bible is the Greek word ekklesia. But the meaning of the word church is this. It's the assembly or gathering or community of the called out ones. That's what it means. Notice in that word, it doesn't say anything about the individual. It doesn't. Now, I, I get the point that people try to make and they're just like, well, I am the church wherever I go. Yeah, you are. But not apart from the community of God. It's not either or, it's both and. Yeah, if you're out in your workplace and you're out at the gym and you're out in your school and you're, you're, you're walking with Jesus, yeah, you are a representative of the church. But that's not the only place you are. You have to be a part of a community to be biblical, key word, about what the word church means. And the word church never refers to the individual In the Bible, it always refers to the gathering or community assembly of the called out or separated ones. That's what the church is. And that's what we're called to be. The gathering of the saints. And the good news of the gospel is when we're reconciled to God, we're reconciled to other people. That when your relationship with God changes vertically, your horizontal relationships change as well. God brings you into a community, a family, for a purpose, for a mission, for a reason. And we all need that. And really, at the innermost core of all of us, that's our greatest desire. Because that's the way God designed us and wired us for community. He designed us for each other, and we need that, and we crave that. The, the most uh, thing that we thirst for and desire more than anything is to be known and to know other people at the core of every person, I'm, whether saved or not saved. We want to be really known for the real us, not the church us. If y'all going to play with me in my tacos today, this could be a longer service. No, our, our desire is that, that, that somebody, at least one person knows the real us. The you that cusses, the you that's looked at porn, the you that's slept around, the you that's been drunk, the real us, that you want somebody to know the real you and you want to know somebody else in that way. And that's what God desires for you too. But where do you find those people? You don't find them on Tinder. You don't find them at the local bar. You know where you find them in the local church. Why? Because when you share that information at the local church, they don't give you a side eye. They say, guess what? Me too. But look what God has done and look what God can do in your life and look how God can heal your life and look how God can deliver you because I got a testimony just like that. Come in here and find help and find hope and find healing because that's what the local church is all about. But our greatest desire is that someone knows us really knows us and that we really know other people not a superficial relationship and God doesn't want a superficial relationship with you but neither do other people our greatest desire is to be known and to know others God put that in us as human beings But there's good news for the lonely left out, and that's what the gospel says, that when we're reconciled to God, we're reconciled to other people, that when we come into God's house and God's people and God's family, that we get a new community, a new family, a new purpose. Maybe we have a dysfunctional family, and we're trying to get away from it. It's okay. God gives you new family members. Because sometimes there's a family by birth, and there's a family by choice. And I choose you guys. So, we all need that and we all desire that. And there's good news because of the gospel for the lonely and left out. Well, let's look over at Genesis 2 and verse 18. This is the very beginning of the scriptures. And when God was making Adam, notice what he said about Adam. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. But notice, it's not good for man to be alone. If you read the Genesis account, everything that God said he made was good other than this. God made the trees great. God made the mountains so good. God God made the animals wonderful. God made everything else and he said it was good. But then he said one thing's not good, that man is Alone. It's not good. It's not good for you. Now, when it says man, it's not just talking about just male. It's talking about the human race, the human being, mankind, that we are not meant to be alone. Now, God wired us for community. He created us for community. He created us for family. He made it that we would not just need him, but we would need other people. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, well, Adam had God. What's the big deal? Well, apparently God said, that's not enough. It's not good that you're alone, Adam. You need somebody who's just like you to relate to. And yeah, of course you got me, but you need others around you. And he wired mankind and created us for community, for each other. Now, We know that God wired us that way, and he said, it's not good that you're alone. Now, I want to give you some interesting things about where our world is today with loneliness. And it's alarming because how many know God said this thousands and thousands of years ago, and then modern people are like doing stats about this and like, oh, yeah, it's not good that you're alone. You start having issues when you're alone. Yeah, God said this. Genesis 2, he said this. And then now scientists and, and, and psychologists and people that study this are like doing all these stats, doing all these research about how loneliness and people that are alone, what it does to their physical body, what it does to their mental health, what it does to their spiritual health, and it's not good that they're alone. Now, now let me read a few things to you because what did, what did God say? It's not good that you're alone. It's not good that you're alone. Loneliness in America, when studied, it says that over 50% of Americans say they're lonely. In certain groups, it's 60 and 70%. But over half of Americans say they're lonely. Now, we know ever since COVID, the pandemic worldwide, those numbers have accelerated even more. But this is what they say that loneliness does for the human body and the mind when you're lonely. Now, what did God say? He said it's not good that you're alone. He said it's not good. This this is from research. This is what it says. When you're lonely, you're by yourself because it's not good for you. This is what happens to your physical body. People that are lonely have more headaches, cancer, muscle tension, stomach issues, Weaker immune system, shorter lifespan. Physically, this is no joke. This is research. Being lonely is just as bad as smoking 15 cigarettes a day for your health. And you're 50% more likely to die prematurely when you're lonely. Now, what did God say? It's not good that you're alone. It's not good. That's just your physical health. Now, Now, your mental health when you're lonely... There's higher rates of brain fog, paranoia, anxiety, chronic depression, and suicide. God said it's not good that you're alone. You know, when they studied people that lived long and healthy lives, there, there's several things that were common denominators in those people. But one of the main things, and people that lived to be 100 or in their 100s, they said about people that lived long and lived healthy lives, one of the greatest things that they all could agree on, they lived in strong community. They were active in their community. They helped in their community. They gave into their community, into their hundreds. And those people lived longer, healthier, stronger, happier lives than people who do not. People that lived in And we're a part of community. Because God said it's not good that you're alone. When we don't do it God's way, we don't get God's results. Are you here? And when we try to do it our own way and figure it out our own way, we wonder why we have the issues we do. Whether it's loneliness or I could list a ton of other things, we go the opposite of what God told us to do and then we start having physical issues and mental issues and spiritual issues and we're like, what's going on? You're not doing it God's way. And what did God say? It's not good that you're alone. It hurts you physically. It hurts you mentally. And it hurts you spiritually when we live isolated, lonely lives. Why? Because God... Wired us and created us for each other, for community. And that's good news today because we don't have to be lonely and left out anymore because of the gospel gives us a new community and a new family, the house of God. Let's read Ecclesiastes 4 in verse 9. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says, Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. And if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, it's not good that you're alone, is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can you be warm alone? In verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But listen to this. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Ecclesiastes says, same thing. It's not good that you're alone. It's not good. Two people are better than one. And you add three, life group, can't be broken. Why? Because you can help each other said you can defend each other. That's what that verse says. It, it says if somebody falls, guess what? You got somebody to pick you up. But woe to us if we have nobody in our life to help us when we fall. You know, I have not been perfect my whole life. Don't say amen too loud. Miss Donald was like... Yeah. I know it's a shocker, guys. i made a lot of mistakes in my... 35 years of life so far. But you know what I've never been afraid of? Is if I fell, I would have more than enough people to help me back up. Because I've been in community my whole life. And I haven't lived some isolated life somewhere acting like I'm better than church people and I can't talk to nobody. I'm like, I got 12 dudes I could call right now at any time. And they got weapons. <laughs> I'm not afraid. I've fallen and messing up. Why? Because I know I got people praying for me. Yeah. I know I got people in my life. I know I got, I got people defending me. I know I got people that got my back. I know if I ever fell down and I needed some help, I got people to call that lift me back up. But what does it say? If you got nobody in your life, if you're living alone and isolated, who's going to help you? That's why God puts a church family in your life to help you at your lowest points. And then also when other people are in their time of struggle and need, you can be there to help them. That's real family and community. So part of the reason I have succeeded somewhat in life is not just because of me. It's because I got a lot of people around me. And I got a lot of relationships of people that love me. So when I've fallen or messed up or struggled, I have community and family to help me back up. That's why church and God's family is so important to be a part of. Because it's not good that we're alone. That's good news for us. So here's the next question. A lot of people say, well, okay, pastor, how do I find these people? Where do I go? You go to the local church. You go to the local church. Now, this might rub you the wrong way, but I don't care. Um. My lovely mother who's in heaven right now, she told me my whole entire life, and it's still true. Jordan, I don't care if you have friends at school, you have friends out in the community, you have friends here and there. That's great. I want you to to have friends everywhere and people that don't believe like you do. But at the end of the day, your best friends will be in the church. If it's good for a teenager, it's good for all the rest of you. I want you to have friends outside of church. I, want, I just talked about that last week. I want you to be friends to sinners. I want you to have friends at your job and at the gym and at your school and wherever you go in your neighborhood. I want you to reach out. But at the end of the day, we have to make a decision. My best friends and my closest friends will be in the house of God because that's the best place to find them if we're going to find people that can actually help us and heal us and strengthen us and encourage us, where do I find these people? Not on dating apps, not on Instagram, not on Snapchat. They're not there, not on TikTok either. Guess where they're at? They're in the local church. That's the place to find them. Your closest friends should be in the house of God. That's where you find them. And that's the way God designed it to be. That's the way the early church lived They got into the local church and they found a community, a group, a friend that became family to them, which I love that so much. It became family to them. That's what the Bible says. In Timothy, it says that when you come together in the church, because we're talking about family, you should treat the older women like mothers and the older men like fathers and the the younger men like brothers and the younger women like sisters. Why? Because the church is a family when you come together. The Bible says in Psalms that God sets the lonely and left out into a family. But what's that family? It's the church of Jesus Christ. That's the family he's talking about. To all those who are lonely and left out and the world has thrown you away and and you don't have any friends at your job, you don't have any friends at the gym, you don't have any friends in your school or anywhere else and you can't find the right people, guess what? God sets the lonely in family, but how does he do that? he gives them a local church come on I'm helping you today if you're hearing what I'm saying he gives you a church to be a part of that's what he does he sets the lonely and left out into families the family of God I love this quote it says church is not an organization you join it is a family where you belong a home where you are loved And a hospital where you find healing. That's the local church. Let's read again in Acts 2. In verse 40 about the early church believers. What they were doing. Acts 2 and verse 4. You getting something today? Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Strongly urging all the listeners. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized. And added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. That's a mega church on the first day. And then notice what happened. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostles' teaching means they came to church and they heard spiritual leaders teach them, like you're doing right now. And to fellowship, that's doing life together, that's life groups, that's getting into community. And notice they shared in their meals including the Lord's Supper. So a lot of times when they would go from house to house, they would take the Lord's Supper, but then they would actually eat a real meal together. They got to go Qdoba. It's like, hey, we took communion, we prayed, now let's eat. That's community, that's biblical. And to prayer, a deep sense of awe came over all of them and apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together not on Zoom. God bless Livestream. We're working on getting it at church, but it's not the same as together. It's not. Never will be. It's a supplement. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, this is what we're getting to. And they worshiped together at the temple or the church each day. And met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, this early group of believers has said they started immediately when they got saved. There's 3,000 of them. They started meeting together in the temple or the church. And in house to house. But it says they started doing life together. They ate their meals together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They gave together. And because of that, it says the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, if you read the book of Acts or you know church history, you realize that this 3,000 believers turned quickly into 5,000. 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, and it kept growing and growing and growing. Why? Because the believers were living in this type of community, and everybody on the outside said, I want in on that. I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be a part of a community like that where they love each other, and they pray for each other, and they accept each other, and they look out for each other. I want to be a part of that. And the early church had explosive growth Yes, because they preached the gospel, but because they lived the gospel by doing life together. I'm going to get myself an extra taco for this message. It's that good so far. You know what taco I'm going to get? The Al Pastor. Sorry. Sorry. Got to get back on my notes. Got to get back on my notes. The Al Pastor. Yeah, I got to. I didn't come up with that. The staff told me I have to get an El Pastor, so. There was explosive growth, and if you know anything about church history, that church grew and grew and grew and grew and grew, and what happened later on, it said that there was over half of the Roman Empire were Christians. And what crumbled Rome was Christians. because they had such explosive growth and people got converted left and right all over the Roman Empire. Many years later, over 50% became believers. And so the Roman government didn't have any more power and authority over their own empire anymore because they were all believers in Jesus. But it started with these early church believers. There was 3,000 of them. And they did life together and it said it grew And it grew and it grew. But how many know if you have 3,000 people, they all can't meet in the same house? They can't. So what did they do? They broke up into groups, life groups. It's biblical. And it said they met in the temple. That was the bigger place where they all could gather together. But then they would go throughout the week and they would go from house to house. Why? Because 3,000 people can't fit in one place. So they would go to this guy's house. 20 would go over here and 30 would go over here and and 50 would go here and 12 would go here. And that's how they did life together is they broke up into groups. That's why we do life groups at Church on the Rock. Because that's how you start getting into community. And in those groups... They lived this out. They ate together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They gave together. They talked about the messages being preached at the temple. They were there for one another. They talked about their marriages. They talked about their kids. They helped each other. They loaned each other tools if necessary. They helped fix each other meals. They did life together. And. The Roman Empire saw that, these believers, and said, I want that. That's what I'm missing. Community, family. These people aren't in it for themselves, not for selfish reasons. They're in community because they love each other, and it's real, and it's genuine, and they want to be with each other, and, and they're not selfish. They're doing it just because they love Jesus, and they love each other. That's attractive to the world. I mean, around you, we live in such a selfish, self-centered world. The world is looking for people that live this way. They're looking for community and family. So, I have a few more things I want to share today. And then we'll dismiss and go sign up for life groups and then go have a party. So, we talked about why you need community and you need a family because it's not good that you're alone. And then we talked about, well, where do you find it? You find it in the church. That's where you find it. But I know even there, a lot of us can agree on that, but then there's some reservations that people have or excuses why that doesn't pertain to them. And I'm going to talk about a few of those today. In the spirit of love, but also as your pastor that's trying to help you. A lot of times we'll put up walls on why we shouldn't get involved in church. None of them are good reasons. Let me tell you a little bit something about this. Anytime you try to take a step spiritually in the right direction, the enemy will push back at you. Because some of you want to get into help at our church and you're not. Because every time you try to sign up, you feel like, oh, I shouldn't do that. That's not from God. That's from the enemy. Because he knows you getting involved helping at your church is actually going to help you. It's going to grow you. It's going to strengthen you. Same way with groups. Many of you have thought about signing up to a group and then you don't. Or you sign up and you don't come. Same thing. And, and what happens there? The enemy's trying to push back because he knows if you really got into community started doing life with other people and meeting other people, your spiritual life would start growing and changing and transforming. So here's one I hear a lot is um, I've been hurt by people. So now on, I'm going to keep to myself. Look out for me. Hear me this morning. It's understandable. It's understandable. I get it. But it's going to hurt you in the long run. Because all of us could say, people have hurt me, therefore, what? I'm not going to have any friends anymore? Any. I'm not going to have any friends anymore not going to talk to anybody more i'm not going to put myself out there anymore because i've been rejected i've been left out i've been alone i've been hurt all of us have including your pastor all of us have so so i understand that but hear what i'm saying if god said it's not good that you're alone that means it's going to hurt you if you live that way the rest of your life The only way you won't be hurt by people is if you just isolate yourself and separate yourself from all relationships. But ultimately, that hurts you more than the people that would have hurt you. It does more damage to you physically, mentally, and spiritually when we isolate and separate ourselves from each other. Listen to what I'm saying today. This church, we're not a perfect community. If you think we are, you would be disappointed, but no church is because it's made up of imperfect people who got issues (laughs) and everybody comes from a weird family, right? And they all got certain ways of thinking about stuff. The only non-weird family I know of is my family. Joking. We all come with baggage. We all come with issues. And then you throw all these people together and you're like, get along. There's got to be some issues. But there isn't any community. So some of you are saying, I've been hurt by people. I've been hurt by churches. I've been hurt by pastors. I get it. But if you're looking for a perfect community, you will never find one to get involved in. Here's the truth. We are not a perfect community or family, but we serve a perfect God. And at this church, we as a group of people are figuring this out together. We're growing together. We're moving ahead together. Not perfectly, but serving a perfect God. That's what it is. But there's a risk when you step out to get into community because you can be rejected you can not be left out you can not be hurt I love this quote by John Mark Comer he says it's community where we have our deepest pain but it is also in community where we find our deepest healing and it's worth the risk yeah people will hurt you more than anybody else but the right people will help heal you more than anything else. And it's worth the risk. It's worth trying again. It's worth getting into a group again. It's worth sending the text again. It's worth trying to be a part of what God is doing at your church again. It's worth the risk. Some of you say, well, I'm introverted, so I don't need that. Listen, whether you're introverted or extroverted, you still need people. Now, a little disclaimer about introverted and extroverted. Introverted doesn't mean you don't need people. You just don't need it as much as extroverted people. But you still need people. Like extroverted people get energized by like 100 people. Introverted people need like two people. But you still need people. Are you with me? So we can't use that as an excuse. Well, I don't want to get involved in groups. I don't want to have relations at church because I'm just introverted. I'm just shy. You still need people. Be shy. Be introverted. I'm not saying change your personality, but I am saying you still need people, whether you're introverted or extroverted. Because that's the way that God wired you. Brother Daryl. could you come play? And I'm going to close here. Here's another thing I see. When people are thinking about getting involved in church community and doing life together. I see people that pull away during tough times. They start struggling and they pull away from church. They're having a tough season and they pull away from community. They pull away from friends. Hear me this morning as your pastor. That's the worst time in the world to pull away from community. When you're having issues, that's not the time to run away from God in church. It's the time to run too. I'm just struggling. I'm really depressed this season. Well, don't leave. You need people now more than ever. I'm just anxious right now. I'm just struggling with addiction right now. I, I shouldn't be at church right now. That's when you need it the most. That's when you need life groups the most. That's when you need people the most. Is in times like this. And hear me as your pastor. I know the pull for all of us, and I've felt that before. Is like when you're going through something tough, I just need to. But that's the enemy. That's not God. That's the enemy. Because he knows if he can isolate you so- yourself and keep you separated from your help, it will get worse whatever you're in. But you need people. Some of you right now are going through a tough time. You're struggling. You're like, it's not the time for me to sign up for life groups. It's actually the best time for you to sign up for life groups. I just got to pull away right now. I need to get my stuff together. You ain't going to get it together by yourself. You're not. You need each other. Look at this verse in Proverbs 27, 17. In the message. You use steel to sharpen steel and one friend sharpens or helps another. You need other people to sharpen you, to help you, to speak into your life, to minister to you when you need help. When you're lonely and left out, you need people to speak life into you, encouragement to you, strength to you. But you can't hear that if you're by yourself. We need people Do you know even people that supposedly live like isolated lives like a monk? They even have rules where they can't stay long for gone for too long because they get weird. They get strange, left to their own thoughts. Because God said it's not good that you're alone. You say, Well, I'm not a monk, I haven't isolated myself that much. But if you don't talk to anybody at church throughout the week, you're not safe. If you never hang out with anybody at church, you're not thinking right. If you're not calling anybody or doing life with anybody, you are prime prey for the enemy. And trust me, he's putting thoughts in your brain that should not be there right now. But if you're just left to yourself, you think you're right and you're not. Putting discouragement putting depression, putting anxiety, putting ways of thinking about God in church that is not right. But if you're just by yourself, who can correct you? Who can speak truth to you? Who can speak life to you? So important. So, So I challenge you, whether you've been hurt by people, take a risk today. Whether you're having a tough time and maybe you're struggling right now, don't pull away, pull closer. God has the right people for you. I love this quote. It says, some people think they're in community, but they're only in proximity. True community requires commitment and openness. It is a willingness to extend yourself to encounter and to know the other. That's what some of you in here are like, I'm a part of church community, are you? Or maybe you're just close in proximity. Proximity. You got to be open. You got to be vulnerable. You got to be real with somebody to really have community. It can't just be a superficial "How are you doing today on Sunday morning?" God bless. (laughs) God bless. God bless. Praise God, brother. That's not community. I don't want that. I don't want that. That's proximity. It's not community community is you're willing to open up your life, open up your thoughts, open up what's going on with you, be vulnerable, be real. And trust me, at this time at church, I got enough good life group leaders. They ain't going to look at you side-eyeing crazy if you tell them something. You know what they're going to say? I love you. Let me help you. Let's figure this out together. We kicked all the religious people out after last week, right? Right? They were still hanging around. They had to go after last week. We need to be open. But here's the thing about life groups. And I'm landing the plane. Because I can see tacos like above your, you know, those little like cartoons. I see like taco, burger, french fry. As I'm, I'm going to shut up sometime here. You need to be vulnerable and real. But, you know, life groups is not an ending place. It's a starting place. You know, the reason I set up life groups is that everyone in our church could find somebody to do life with. Everyone in our church could find some place to belong. Everyone in our church could find someone to talk to. So no one was lonely and left out. But here's my heart as your pastor. Life group is a starting place. I'm doing life groups so you can meet people in the group and you can connect with them and then you start doing life outside of the group. That's the heart behind life group. And you know what? You're not going to connect with everybody in your group and that's okay. You're not going to connect with everybody at your church and that's okay. But there is somebody you'll connect with. And there is some group that you will connect with. And there is somebody that talks your language, that that understands what you... And, you know, maybe you're into canning beans, and they're into canning beans. Or maybe you're into crocheting something, and they're into crocheting something. Or maybe they love fantasy football, and you love fantasy football. Or maybe they love Charlestown State Park. It's like, oh, and I love Charlestown State Park. And then we're, then we're hiking on the trail, and they... See him from a distance. You go to church on the rock. My long lost brother who was lost and then is now found. But there's somebody for you. There's people for you. And if you say there's nobody for church from church on the rock that you can get along with, then you is the problem. <laughs> there is nobody for me at church on the rock. Then you is the you got real issues. If you can't pick one of us out of this motley crew we have at Church on the Rock, then you really got an issue. We got every kind of style and diversity. We got Trump voters. We got Biden voters. We got gun toters. We got, I don't know, vegans. I mean, we got everything around here. Aren't they kind of the opposite? Phil's about the opposite. Just trying for two extremes. We got everything around here. But as we go into this next season of life groups, let me challenge you. When you sign up for a group and you sign up to be a part, really commit. Like when they have times to meet, really show up. It's not like it's every week. It's like once every two weeks for a few hours. Because you'll get out of the relationship what you put into it. I know people in this church that are committed. They're at every life group. They really get involved. They really talk. They really open up. They get so much out of it. I know other people that have signed up for groups, barely make it. And when they come, they're quiet. They sit in the corner. Guess what? They don't get anything out of it. And these people get everything out of it. You get out of it what you put into it. Just like you get out of a relationship what you put into it. So if you commit to it and open up, you'll be amazed at how much you'll receive By opening yourself up to groups and other people. So really commit. Once you sign up, put something into it. Show up to everyone. Show up with an attitude to talk to people. Show up with an attitude to be open to people. Show up with an attitude, I'm here to receive. I'm happy to be here. Not skeptical. Not suspicious of people. Not judgmental of people, but hey, I want to start doing life together with people. And there will be people that you will connect with. I I got one more verse and I'll let you go. We'll sign up for groups. Then we'll go party. I said, we'll go party. Come on. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. In the passion, I love this. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Let me repeat that one more time, church. This is not the time. This is a word from heaven for us to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, life groups, special meetings, first Wednesday, eager, why? To encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. That's what it's all about. When we come together, our faith mixes with other people's faith, and we're encouraged, and they're encouraged, and we stir each other up, and we sharpen each other, and we help each other become all that God has called us to be. That's why you need church community. That's why you need a family. Well, I love you. We're going to have life groups here in a second, and we're going to go in the fellowship hall and sign up for it some of you should have got this handout and if you didn't you can go in the back and look there's men's groups there's women's groups there's groups for the quarry for the girls and the guys to sign up at and today we're going to go in the fellowship hall we're going to sign up for groups and then after that we're going to go outside there's seating there's tents inside there's seating we got two food trucks we got a taco truck and we got a burger truck we got free Kona ice. We have stuff for the kids. Hang out. Enjoy your time. We got volleyball set up down there, cornhole, basketball. It would, it's gonna be fun if you play volleyball. It's gonna be very slushy. So I encourage you, I'm gonna pray in a second, but go look. There are, some are different times, they're different days. So look over this, see which one would be best for you. And we're gonna pray in a second over that and sign up. If you don't get to sign up today, you can sign up in the next several days. We're going to be putting this online so you can sign up online. You guys good? You excited? So let me pray over you. Father, we we pray over Life Group Sunday. We thank you for all you're doing at this church. We thank you for the communities that are starting. We thank you, Father God, that you'd help us to be more committed and knit together as a church family. We pray, Father God, that you would speak to all the people here today on finding the right group, the right people to connect with. We thank you that this will be the most fruitful, encouraging, faith-filled season of life groups we've ever had. And Father, we thank you there's a place for everyone at Church on the Rock. I speak that no one will be left out, no one will be lonely, but they will find family in your house. And we thank you for it today. We thank you for a great day, a fun day, wonderful food in a safe time for our whole church family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.